Is your fave Welcome. number 13? No, I'm just going to say it, dude. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> welcome back to The Mind, The Mirror, and Me. I'm your host, Mackie Overbay, and I am joined by my father, who is a therapist, Mr. Tony Overbay. Hello, McKinley Ann. Oh, Please. you want to cut out your middle name? Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> you want to throw my social security number in there, too? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at whatever your address is. Oh, I don't know where you live. No, you don't. Yeah. What episode are we? This is number 13. One, three. How do you feel about the number 13? (laughs) Why, that's funny. You should ask, McKinley. (laughs) I was going to say for those listening, which would be everybody that's hearing this on account of you have to listen to hear it. So that's kind of silly. Okay. But right before we went on, I said, oh, it's 13. Mackie, did you know that that is my favorite number? And you said... I said, I would have guessed that because I feel like you've said that before in our lifetimes. Yeah. It's funny because, uh, so when you travel, sometimes there isn't a 13th floor in right. a hotel. That's kind of a spooky number. Well, and that's, so then I really, I've never thought about it this way because I've always enjoyed the number 13 and I'm left-handed and those sort of things. So either I am an evil person incarnate um, okay. from mystical lore or... Did I feel so insecure that I wanted to pick the crazy number to be oh. my favorite number so that people would go, what? That's crazy. And I go, I know, right? I've never thought about that before. But it kind of checks out on account of you tried to get people to call you Scooter for a okay. long part of your life. I, I will, a long time, like a month. And I will be editing this episode so that people will not hear <laughs> that. No. Uh, okay, but people fear the number 13, Mackie, because <laughs> it is a superstition known as, and I do know this one. It's called super casual fragilistic expelliarmus. <laughs> I know, I didn't. I know that. Do you um, need to sing it? Can you say it? No. Super califragilistic expelliarmus. Okay, that's fine. But the fear of the number thirteen is triskaidekaphobia. I didn't know that. Wait, really? Yeah, triskaidekaphobia, Trisca- and it is uh, it is deeply rooted in the various historical and cultural contexts. Mackie, here are just a few reasons why the number thirteen has gotten a bad rap. Historical associations. In some ancient cultures, the number 12 was considered a symbol of completeness, 12 months of the year, 12 gods of Olympus, as we all know, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of Jesus, number 13, an irregular number that symbolized disorder and imbalance. Did you know that? That kind of makes sense when you put it like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. Yeah. And then in Christian tradition, there's a belief that the Last Supper, Jesus sat with his 12 disciples, making 13 people at the table, and that Judas Iscariot, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, was the 13th to sit down. Freaking Judas. I know, right? And then in Norse mythology, there's a legend that 12 gods were having a dinner party at Valhalla, the Norse heaven. And Loki, the trickster god, crashed the party as the 13th guest, leading to chaos and the death of a beloved god, Baldur. Baldur? Yeah, I know. Insert joke about your bald head there, right? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think so. I think it would right, be bad guys? not to. <laughs> uh, then we, okay, we talked about buildings skip the 13th floor. Mm-hmm. Um, some streets skip the 13th house number due to this fear. And then that, now that, now we're in the world of confirmation bias because now if people are skipping it, then it must be bad. So therefore, it continues to be a thing. And so I think that's really, really but okay, but. Shockingly, there is no scientific evidence to support the idea that the number 13 is truly unlucky and many people treat it as a quirky cultural phenomenon rather than a genuine cause for concern. 
So welcome to episode 13, Mac. Okay, wait, do you know what I just realized as you were saying all that? What? There is a 13 in my address. Really? Can't say more than that since you already put my social no. security number out there, but interesting. Exactly. It does exist. Okay. So episode 13, episode I'm excited. 13. So I have a quote for you. Okay. For this 13th episode. That is not, this episode is not spooky. No, okay. it's not. We should have done that a couple weeks ago around Halloween, but yeah. we didn't. Because I think there was a Friday the 13th not too long ago, too. Yeah. But I also don't remember anything. So <laughs> I think it was last month. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Quote, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. That is deep. Did you Say it again. People can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. Okay. So... I know you, I'm assuming you have many thoughts. I have many thoughts plus an email that I was, it's interesting. I was kind of reading an email that we got from a listener earlier and I'll make So you start this one off, Mac, tell me what you've got there and then I can fill in any of the gaps. Okay. Deal. So, so I, I had a, uh, I guess an, I don't know, I don't know, an inkling of what, (laughs) like when I initially read this, what it meant to me, but then I asked our friend chat GPT what does this mean? Because I had to make sure we were on the same page. So I wasn't just out here saying something that didn't make any sense. So right, okay. chat GPT gave us a little definition and says that the quote, people can only meet you as deeply as they met themselves essentially means that the depth and quality of our interactions with others are often limited by their level of self-awareness and understanding of themselves. In other words, when people haven't delved deeply into their own thoughts, feelings, and personal growth, they may struggle to form profound connections with others. Okay. What does I mean, that mean to you? Yeah. I so initially when I saw the quote, I immediately flipped it on to me. I think because okay. it's saying, right, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. So I feel like it, it's a them thing. But I immediately flipped it on me and just started thinking of um, which I guess this doesn't actually answer your question, but started thinking of it in the sense of like what I've seen as I've gotten to know myself and how that's allowed me to show up differently Mm. in relationships, but also just like in life in general. And so I think it goes like, I feel like that's just a side note. This goes both ways, right? Like the way we're kind of phrasing it is talking about other people and making it a them thing. But I think it's just as important to flip it on us. Right. And be like, okay, it's important to know yourself. And that that changes the way you're able to make connections and go about relationships. Yeah. But I feel like that definition was like spot on of it. But I think it kind of goes back to our vulnerability episode. But just if you're not able to dig deep in any way, every relationship you have and every conversation you have and every interaction you have is going to be very surface level or even, I don't want to say fake, but almost even fake in a way because it's you're potentially just saying what you think you're supposed to say or you're yep. doing what you think other people want you to do. And so I think there's just, there's something so deep and profound about just knowing who you are <laughs> and then yeah. allowing that to like further your connections with people and just day-to-day interactions. And anyway, that was, a, I didn't answer your question probably, but I know it's good. It really thoughts. is. Oh, so then so then ChatGPT broke this down into four little sections. 
So I guess we can just kind of hit them. And then if any of your things come into play, please just start screaming and I'll stop talking. Okay, I will. Um, So the first one is kind of what that, I feel like that initial thing talked about, but depth of interaction. Um, And it's just saying that the depth of any interaction or relationship is influenced by the emotional and self-awareness of the individuals involved. So if someone lacks self-awareness or hasn't explored their own emotions and experiences, they may struggle to engage on a deeper, more meaningful level with others. So again, kind of already hit that, but yeah, I think it's interesting too, because it's not even just whether or not you feel like you know yourself. It's also, I mean, there are some people that I think are just, they don't even know that they don't know themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think that, that, yeah. Well, I'll hit that one in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's, yeah. That alone right there is like, I think I did that for like, I thought I knew who I was and I'm now, you know, still realizing, oh, I'm just getting started here. Like I'm just now learning who I really am and all the things. And then the next one goes into empathy and understanding, which I think this one is huge because I'm very, I pride myself on being empathetic and I feel like that's a trait that I absolutely like that this is a thing, but it says to truly understand and connect with someone else. It often requires a certain level of empathy and self-awareness. People who have taken the time to understand themselves are better equipped to empathize with others and understand their needs, feelings, and experiences, which I think is huge because I feel like the more I get to know myself, the better I feel like I'm able to show up in relationships yeah, and with connections because I think it does. I like that it says you're better equipped. It's like you're almost gifted this tool once you kind of get to know yourself that it's like, hey, now you can use that to actually understand what other people are going through or need from you. Trying to. Yeah, yeah. trying yeah, to. Right. And then you're able yeah. to show up better because you do know yourself and you do have the confidence in yourself. So I feel like that one's deep too. Yeah. Well, and let me maybe jump in here. There's, I don't know if we covered it on an early, again, I think we talked about at some point, if somebody heard this a while ago, it's not like they're saying, wait, you covered this exact thing. It's okay. Yeah. So there's a couple of foundational pieces I think that are important to me. And there's a poem, it's not a poem, it's a speech or a talk by a guy named David Foster Wallace called This Is Water, I guess an essay. Do you remember this at all? I don't think so, actually. Okay, good. Okay. I think you'll dig it. So there, there are these um, these two fish and they're swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way. And he nods at him and says, you know, morning boys, how's the water? And the two fish swim on for a little bit more. And then eventually one of them looks over at the other and he says, what the heck is water? And so what he means is that the, it, it, you know, it's important to to think of how we, like they didn't even know that they were in water. They just were kind of being themselves or doing what they were doing. And so what that kind of speaks to his whole speech is about, that a huge well, kind of what he says is that we interpret the actions of other people uh, all around us through our own lens, you know? And so everything is that we're not even aware of what we're not aware of. We're not even aware that these fish weren't even aware that they were in water until somebody said, how's the water? And then they were even saying, what is he even talking about? And then I would imagine it doesn't talk about this in the essay, but the two fish then make fun of the old guy and say, okay, what is he even talking about? What an idiot that guy is. Instead of saying, what is water? And so then in this essay, this George Foster Wallace says, or David Foster Wallace says, because a huge percentage of the stuff that we tend to be absolutely certain of, it turns out he says is totally wrong and diluted. And he said, he just said, here's one of the most wrong things that we think that we are 
certain of, as he says, I tend to be automatically sure of is that he said, everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the most real, most vivid, most important person in existence. And he said, and I don't know, first of all, does that sound like, no, I don't, I don't feel that way. Or I don't think that. I think there was an initial part of me that wants to go. I don't, I never <laughs> think like that, but the reality is when you live in your brain 24 seven, it's hard to yeah, not yes. feel like to some yeah. extent I'm kind of important because I'm the well, one thing in my brain, right? Like I'm, that's, I'm, that is, yeah. And that's so yeah. it. Yeah. And so then he says, so, and I like where the way he says this next is, you know, he said, we rarely think about this sort of natural basic self-centeredness because it's so socially repulsive because it sounds like, oh, I'm not that person. Right. But he said, it's pretty much the same for all of us. It's our default setting and that it's hardwired, he says, into our boards at birth. And so the concept here is if you think about it, there's no experience that that you have um, that you've ever had that you are not the absolute center of because the world as you are experiencing it is in front of you or behind you or to the left of you or to the right of you or on your phone or on your TV or on your computer. And so other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but yours are so immediate and so urgent and so real that then and this is where I think is so good about this is that it's a matter of having to you basically have to choose to do the work of somehow altering or getting free of your natural hardwired default setting, which is to to be deeply and literally self-centered and to see and interpret everything through your lens of self. So, you know, when people say that, uh, that somebody's like well-adjusted or I feel like it's really not it's not an accidental term that well-adjusted means that, you know, you can adjust your natural default setting to then be able to step outside of your own ego or sense of self. And so uh, this David Foster Wallace says that learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. And it means being conscious and aware enough to choose what you pay attention to and choose what, how you construct meaning from experience. Because he said, he said, it's like this brilliant talk. And he says, because if you can't exercise this kind of choice in your adult life, you will be totally hosed. <laughs> so I think that's kind of funny, right? Yeah. It's true though. So you have to yeah. like work hard to get outside of like your default setting, which is that everything is through my lens of self. So then it's like, am I really getting to know myself or am I just reacting to things through my lens of self? So if somebody is expressing something to me, I immediately jump to the well, that's, that's ridiculous or that's wrong or, but this, but I don't think that. And so it's like, I'm not hearing the other person at all. And so I'm going through life, basically bouncing off of everything saying, you know, that's wrong. That's right. They, they don't really understand. They don't even see what they're doing. So I'm, I don't even know who I am. I'm just a guy that goes around making judgments about everybody else. Right. And just react. Yeah. And so I think that's what I mean when I say, or when I said, I think for a long time, I thought I knew who I was. Because when yeah. you do that, when you're like, well, yeah, I have opinions or I have initial reactions or I hear something and I react or I make assumptions. And so that must mean I know exactly who I am and what I think. But I think you don't start to actually get to know yourself until you take the reaction you have and then flip it around and dig into it and go, okay, why did I have that reaction? Totally. And do I even actually agree with that? And do I actually yeah. feel that way? Or is it just what I've been told I'm supposed to feel or what I think other people might feel or just an yeah. initial reaction that just doesn't really have much thought behind it. Yeah. I think that's so good, Mac. And so I have a theory that I'm going to start carting out on a couple of other podcasts yeah. or the, and, and it's this concept of like the, the origin story. Like that's the only superhero movies I like the one where it's like, this is how Thor was created or yeah. whatever that kind yeah. of thing. But it's that. So if we start from 
there, if our parents are kind of telling us, okay, here's the way you do it, here's the right way you do it, then just our default is that means everything else is the wrong way to do it. And so then as a kid, you're going through life. And if you aren't doing it exactly how your parent agrees or says you're doing it, then you're doing it the wrong way. So there, you're, we're already kind of told there isn't a lot of room for, hey, tell me about your way or how you're doing right. it. And so then, right. It's just yeah. either. Yeah. It's either you're doing it the right way or you're doing it the wrong way. And there's no like wiggle room in there and there's no, no. thought then I think to even start. Cause when you're little too, it's like, you're not going to sit there and go, wait a minute. like Right. And you're on. just being told constantly like, Oh no, no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Or say this so or you tell them you're sorry. Or yeah. Don't, yeah. And it's like, okay, right. Which right, wrong, which one. Yeah. So then if I'm, if I'm starting to have feelings or thoughts or emotions, then I'm already going like, Ooh, are these the right ones? Are these the wrong ones. And then I'm going to start saying, now I'm going through life going, okay, I'm trying to almost test this. Am I right or am I wrong? Am I right or am I wrong? Well, they say this, that's right, right? Or they're wrong. So I need to let them know that. Or, and that means if somebody else has a different opinion, then that means they're saying, if they have an opinion, it isn't mine, they must think I'm wrong and that they're right. And that's like the base of, of emotional immaturity because now, you know, I am going around trying to tell somebody else they're wrong or that I'm right, or I'm, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable because then they might tell me that's bad or I'm wrong. Or so then I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to caretake everybody like, Oh no, I don't want them to be upset or I don't want them to be angry or cause if I can make everybody feel better, then, then I'm not doing anything wrong. You know? Right. But then in turn, you're not getting to know yourself and you're not no. discovering who you are, what you actually like, because you are just so worried about everyone else around you and what you think you need yeah. to say or do. Which yeah. is just like a silly, I mean, it's, well, if you think it's a silly <laughs> way to spend your whole life, you know, yeah, if you just a, do that forever, it's kind of silly. Well, and then it goes back to what we were just saying earlier is that, so then if somebody says, well, wait, I do, I do like that thing, or I do yeah. feel this way. But then if somebody else immediately then says, oh, I didn't know you thought that, then the person's all of a sudden like, oh man, that th- must have said the wrong thing. Right, uh, like yeah, maybe I don't really feel that yeah, way. You're like, oh, well, yeah. actually... <laughs> Where it's like, no, you're yeah. allowed to oh, think well, exactly no, I'm thinking about you it more. Think. You yeah. are. Yeah. You can think exactly you really what you want and it's okay. And it's great to like have different opinions and like different things. So that, yeah, yeah. I think that's. Hey, okay. Can I. In, yeah. No, go ahead. How, do, how many of, well, I was going to say, I, I, I was reading to you before and it's, uh, it, it kind of breaks my heart, but we mm-hmm. got a, you know, we got an email. And mm-hmm. so does that, does this fit in now or do you have more things from chat GPT, honestly? No, the next one is just, it's talks about challenges in communication, which mm-hmm. potentially, I mean, if you want me to just say, it just says when people haven't yeah. met themselves on a deeper level, they may face challenges in effective communication. They may misinterpret or misunderstand the thoughts and feelings of others leading to miscommunication and conflicts, which is maybe a little, yeah. little intro there, but yeah, go for well, it. Yeah, I think it is. So, so there's a concept in this book called nonviolent communication by this Mm -hmm. author named Marshall Rosenberg that says that we all make observations and judgments in the same breath. And then we just do it reflexively. So I think I've got a, here's a humble brag. I have a TikTok doing really well right now, (laughs) Mackie. I'm super immature, but your your sister, Sydney puts Uh those together and they're so good. But I was talking about that if you see, and I was being very immature and I owned that and right. I owned the fact that I was making an observation and judgment, but it was when we were at uh, having a meal with your um, brother-in-law, Mitch, and I was kind of talking about this concept with him. And then we looked at a person and it was a pretty slovenly fellow who was with a very attractive 
young woman. Okay. And, and I just said, okay, so what does one think when you look over there and see? Because we just do it naturally. What would you think, Mackie? I would make some mean judgments and I would do the classic and I'd be like, he must be really rich or he must. Exactly. <laughs> and I, right? instead of just going, he's probably the nicest person in the whole world, right? Like it, it, yeah. I would not go there first if I'm being honest. Yeah. Okay. And I appreciate that because yeah. that's even that I think plays into what we're talking about today because yeah. I think if somebody right now is hearing that and going, well, that she's pretty mean. And so is he for bringing it up. They just literally did the same yeah. thing. Observation, yeah. judgment. Right. And now it's like, they don't even understand how mean they are. Now, now they get to go around saying, see, and then uh, that, that's pretty funny though, but I think yeah. we all do it. And so taking ownership or acknowledging, oh yeah, I do that too, because then I've already made a judgment. So let's say that I now go up and talk to those people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm already kind of looking at it like, okay, you know, how much are you worth? Uh, you know, what, what, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. And if he says, oh, I'm not actually worth any, I don't have much money. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this guy's pretty humble. Like he's not even being open and honest. About how <laughs> he's much not even he admitting it. Right. That's yeah. So and we do that. And so, so, and then I think sometimes I gave this example, and I speak about it. If, if you're, let's just say your son theoretically is not good at math, then the immediate thought is like, oh, he must be kind of lazy. Cause it can't be that, oh, I stink at math and yeah. I spent zero minutes of working on math with him as he grew up. Um, it has to be cause he's lazy. Cause then if not, then I probably could have done something about that. Right. Which is pretty fascinating. So I say that because I think it is really interesting that, so now going into this the topic we're talking about. We got an email and and I really, I thought a while about whether or not to read it because I don't want this person to feel like I'm making this observation and completely judging them and saying that they are wrong and we are right. All the right. stuff that we just talked about. Right. Yeah. But because I'm saying it from a, I don't know this person, it would be incredibly immature of me to say, I know exactly what this is. I have, I, I have, I will own my observations and judgments. And I think when we were talking about this before, you had some really good takes too. So the person just said, I started listening to you and Mackie talking together on the mind, the mirror me episode 12. Uh, I, we had looked at when it came out uh, four days four ago. Four days ago, yeah. And I, and, yeah. And they said, you and Mackie were talking about how nice it is to be friends with your adult child, which we absolutely were. Then you said that the majority of the work to repair a parent-child relationship falls on the parent. It's the parent who needs to step outside of their ego. So it's ironic because that's what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. And be willing to hear and understand things about their kids, even if it makes them feel uncomfortable. Quoting you, and that's when I was like, ooh, this is not my <laughs> average compliment because I will be honest, I, I get a lot of emails and they're wonderful and people are saying, oh, thank you, or I like the way you frame this or something, yeah. or here's a question. But then when they quoted me, you can have love or control. And then they said they have two adult sons who have estranged themselves, which means that the sons, she's this person saying the sons have, have you know, distanced themselves. To distance themselves. Yeah. And they said, I have not chosen between love and control. I do not control them and they do not love me. I've spoken with three different therapists in my past. And I don't have to say that I am absolutely right, but I really would love to speak to any of those Uh therapists or the pastor because they're disagreeing that, you know, so it sounds like you can have love and control in your relationship and and that it doesn't work that way. And then they said, you know, my sons are always welcome to return and I am always available to talk. Then they said, I'm asking you to do a research-based episode on the topic based on issues related to this general age group. And so I just, it, it, it's, un- I feel bad for this yeah. person yeah, it's sad. because I think it does, yeah, that yeah. fits in with the, what we're talking about today because, you know, again, I'm going to make judgments. I'm going to, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it from my professional lens and my personal anecdotal lens yeah. and say that, that I worry that this person, it, it would be really difficult to, to self-confront 
and say, okay, is there any truth in that statement? And and that's where I feel like immediately the person was probably going to hear this and think, oh, you're saying I did it wrong. And then I'm saying, no, but what if there was a different way to look at it? And what if, you know, there's some acceptance that comes with, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I tried my best. And then and that's okay. Where we're at. It's okay to it's acknowledge okay. that. And then yeah. move forward. Yeah. 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 I just think like that just, I don't know. And I, I think it goes back to all your just, like the power of self-confrontation and how that's a good thing to do, mm-hmm. even though it can be uncomfortable and it can feel kind of yucky sometimes. And it's like, it's not fun to sit there and think, what did I maybe do wrong? Or what did I maybe yeah. do that wasn't the best way I could have done it? Yeah, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. But it that is. is part of the getting to know yourself better, getting to understand why you do the things that you do and then taking the next step, right? To then decide kind of what happens next and and potentially that. lean into the personal growth part of it. And then the deeper connections and potentially mending relationships, depend, you know, depending on what we're talking right? about here. Yeah. But if I tell myself that I know I didn't do anything wrong and it's them, yeah. then I will then not have to self-confront and deal with the fact that maybe there was something else I could have done rather than said, oh man, I'm grateful now to have this awareness that there are different ways to show up in a relationship. And so that, and cause I feel like there's a, and I always think about this, there's a researcher and oh, I know his name and I can't remember it. Oh, but he says something about like life's like uh, jumping out into the great abyss and then finding out there's a feather bed, Terrence something. But I love that concept because I think that it really is when somebody says, man, I may not know exactly what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it feels scary. And then you wait for everybody to then come after you with pitchforks and abandon you and take your dog away. And then it's people say, oh, wow, that tell me about that. Right. And then you land on a nice feathery bed and you go, oh, (laughs) that wasn't so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which again, there is, there are uncomfy parts to that. And so it's easy to, I think the natural instinct is then to go, oh, never mind. That's uncomfy. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like that, you know, that is, I think that is the normal thing. But it's like the power comes when you step past that and when you keep going and when you do the work <laughs> and you look inward yeah. to yourself. I almost want to jokingly say, okay, put, let's put a minute on the clock and allow me to be immature about this (laughs) response because, and I, and I'm only saying it because there's a, there, that's my kind, hilarious way to say that when we don't know what we don't know, I do find it pretty interesting where, and I'm not saying this is going to sound like I'm being immature, but having done this for a really long time that the, typically when I get any of this kind of feedback, which is not very common, that if I kind of just step back and say, it's really interesting because I want to understand more about the person who, you know, listened. And then if they really did reach out to three therapists and a pastor in the three days since the podcast was released, yeah. then I want, I, I want to then maybe talk to that person and say, man, tell me about what that experience was like. Because I often, as a therapist, have people mm-hmm. that either are saying, help me understand what I don't know versus somebody saying, Hey, can you believe what this guy said? Like he says that you can't, I mean, he basically is telling me that, that I could have done something different and I tried everything I could. And I've been that therapist before where you're saying, well, what would it look like if, and it's like, oh, wait, are you telling me that, you know, your adult children say this to you and you're supposed to just give them a hug? 
really? You know, and I'm like, oh no, I mean, it sounds like, yeah. and it's that part where if it's, if, if you say, oh, it sounds like, no, that does sound like you've done everything you feel like you can do. Cause that person is not saying, Hey, I'm, I'm unaware of what I'm unaware of. Instead, what they're basically saying is you either need to validate me or if you try to tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you don't understand. And that's a no win. That one kind of is more yeah. starting to go around that control. And then I remember one of the first clients ever that I worked with that then walked away and said, even Tony agrees with me, but I realized, oh, when somebody is being more like amygdala hijacked or maybe a more emotionally immature mm-hmm. about a, a particular subject or, or something going on, that then they're used to people either telling them, well, it's, it's not maybe that way or they're, or you're wrong is what they hear. So then if somebody doesn't say you're wrong or doesn't say, man, you're absolutely right. And just says, that sounds hard. I mean, it does, I guess it sounds like you feel like you've done everything you can. Then they, they feel like, oh, then they agree. But right. no, it's, you aren't really leaving much space for there to be another opinion because this person may be looking at things through just their lens, period. Yeah. Well, okay. I, so, cause yeah. that's where I really, yeah, you'll go. Well, okay. So then tell me if, so you had a, someone come in as a client that was in this exact situation mm-hmm. and they did present the information to you. How, like, what do you do yeah. as the therapist? How do you navigate that? Or, you know, like if, I don't know. Yeah, how do you it's start a great question. That? You do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it, I feel like this is where everybody needs to feel heard and understood. And and honestly, Mackie and I talk about my four pillars often. I and I think they're gold. I really mm-hmm. do. And and so this one is I have a one person version. So if this person is talking kind of at me, mm-hmm. then my four pillars are this communication framework that I, I've kind of created based off of a nice evidence based model called emotionally focused therapy. And my first pillar is assuming good intentions or there's a reason why somebody is expressing themselves the way they are. Because if somebody's telling you to go screw yourself, it's hard to go, oh, those are good intentions. But if they, but there might be a reason why that's the way that they communicate their feelings because they never saw it modeled when they were in their childhood of somebody uh, taking ownership or accountability or validating somebody else's feelings. So you had to go big if you were going to be heard. So that might be one thing. So assuming good intentions. And then my second pillar is you can't tell somebody else that they're wrong or I disagree or I don't believe them. But the key is even if I think they are wrong or I do disagree or I don't believe them because that's a me issue. And so and that's where I think we were talking off the mic of who on earth am I to tell this person that they are wrong about their beliefs or their experience? Am I that special? Am I the great God balder himself? Hate to break it to you, but no, you're you're not that special. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but you're not. But it's okay, yeah. and, right? And I, I love that you said that. And so then my third pillar is questions before comments. So if I'm assuming that this person's coming in and they're not trying to hurt me, or right. they, or if they are, there's a reason why, because that's they hurt people, hurt other people, you know, that, yeah. that concept. Yeah. And then the second pillar is I may think, oh, that's really not what I said, or that's not really what I meant, or, you know, or that's that doesn't really make sense. Then that's a me thing. I'm going to sit with that for a little bit. And I'm asked questions. Well, tell me more. Like, tell me why you feel that way. Or tell me like this person, I really do feel like, oh, I, w- I want to know more about, tell me why you think that that was the wrong thing for me to say. There's no, but here's the part problem. There's no curiosity on, they're telling me this is what y- you don't even understand. There's and no it isn't conversation a, there. There's no, no, yeah. there's no curiosity. So, so at that point it, it really is, it's yeah. unproductive for me to try to have that conversation because they've already made that judgment. So now if I'm anything I'm saying right now, I can imagine. And I, I, I mean, I bless their heart, but the person, if they're still listening, I would imagine is pretty upset right now mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I cannot believe that you are saying that you don't even understand. You don't know what it's like and you don't know. And they, and it's like, I am so sorry. That would be really hard. Yeah. And that's where then I'm not telling them they're wrong. I am saying, tell me more about that. And to go back to your question about 
what do you do? That's where when somebody can honestly feel heard, yeah. then that's, and I'm not trying to say this, like that's where the, the argument falls apart, but it's almost like they're so primed and ready for somebody to, to disagree that then if I'm saying, oh, wow, that sounds bad, you know, tell me about those experiences. And they're like, well, they did this and this. I'm like, really? And then what did you do? And then, and it's almost like sometimes you see the person, they don't have a lot of depth if they're kind of, if they have a pretty uh, emotionally immature experience or argument. So then it's almost like they need you to, to disagree. So then they can say you're wrong and I'm right. And that's instead of, you know, saying, oh, the more I'm talking this through, I, I don't really have a lot of basis around this. And then my four, my pillar four is the person that you can't go into like a victim mindset. So, I mean, the last thing I'm gonna do is go, no, you're right. I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know. I've just got a podcast kind of dumb, <laughs> you know, cause then, that, cause then I'm wanting that person to go, no, no I mean, I like your podcast. It's kind of nice. I mean, it's okay. I just, I just think you got it wrong in this one. Then I'm like, really? You, you like it? Like that's okay. <laughs> but did you that's actually cool. like it? <laughs> Right. And then, so there's just, those are all, and I feel like if you look at any conversation, you're going to see one of those pillars is violated, broken. That's where it goes off into the weeds. And if people can, can stay and and have a a mature conversation and both feel heard and understood, the tricky part is like, you won't get resolution and we're so wired for resolution. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that that's where typically the person that is the more kind person or recognizes this isn't really, I'm not going to get anywhere. Then they just go, no, that's a good point. And then the other person feels like, oh, okay, good. So we're good. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, well, I feel good, but their you know, resolution's kind of, uh, kind of silly a little bit. Well, I think that's, that's such an, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's such an interesting point in terms of talking about getting to know yourself, because I do think that's something you have to learn to be okay with, or almost learn to appreciate more because when you do know yourself, I think you do then end up having more conversations where, yeah, you might disagree with people or you might, yes. there is no conclusion there. Yeah. There is no resolution and that's okay. And that's good because yeah. that means you're both being true to yourselves and true to your points and that you can, and that's, but oh man, yeah, yes. that's so deep. I seriously have never thought about it that way, but yeah, that it's like, yeah, it's, it's scary yeah. though. Oh, it's Cause, so cause all of a sudden, yeah. cause now go back to that stuff where, oh, so I, I have to check myself and say, so wait, they have a different opinion yeah. and they're not telling me I'm wrong. And I have to get out of my ego to understand where they're coming from. Right. And then I have a, my default is to want to explain that what that no you don't understand what I'm telling you about yourself right or and and that's where it's so so to be heard I always I like to say and maybe I'll get quoted in a bad way by this on by another uh-huh. person but to be heard is to be healed and then I will I I do these marriage courses and then inevitably some you know a couple will get up there and they will both say okay what are your thoughts about this they'll say well i feel this that way and this way the other person okay i'm gonna assume good intentions i'm not gonna tell them they're wrong mm-hmm. even though i kind of think they are i'm gonna say tell me more about that oh, okay i can understand or that i can understand more of where you're coming from and then they're not gonna go victim and go but okay i guess my opinion doesn't matter you know and they stay present right. and it's and inevitably they both do it and there's always a couple that then looks over or looks into the camera and says now what do we do <laughs> and i say no, you did it. Like that's it. You both you hurt each it. other, yeah. and they're like, "Well, uh, but it doesn't feel very like it satisfying." Feel finished. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, it doesn't feel finished." Yeah, yeah. and I'm saying, "Oh yeah, that's fin- the fact that we need it to be done is the it's kind of the more immature response because right. you know now one because typically and that's the part where if you are the person who feels like no, I feel like it, it usually goes pretty well. Well, ask the person right. you're usually <laughs> talking to, and they're like, "Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's fine, it's good." you know, (laughs) but that's no, that's huge. Cause I think there is, there is power to just leaving a conversation or argument or anything at just a, 
We're good. I hear We're you. okay. I hear, I hear yeah, you. I hear you. Uh, I'm good with what you're saying. I'm going to stand my ground because I believe this or I know this yeah. for myself, but we can, we can be good because I trust that you feel yeah. the same way about your side of it. Right. That Maggie. Yeah. And, then, and honestly, now that, and when we talk about differentiation, which is then every single interaction I have with anybody or anything brings up emotions in me and it, it is a me issue. And so when you say this thing, then check it out. This is my reaction Mm -hmm. to it. And if you can look at it that way, now we can have an honest to goodness, curious conversation around, oh, well, tell me why when I say this, that that brings that up for you. Because truthfully, it all kind of goes back to our childhood, which is why then, you know, everything you think about is perfect and wonderful, right? (laughs) I've never had a single problem in my whole life. Everything's been (laughs) perfect since the day I was born. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. So awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, now, number okay, four, so number four is just personal growth. And it says the quote also suggests that personal growth and self-awareness are essential for forming deep and meaningful relationships. Those who continually strive to understand themselves and grow as individuals are more likely to create profound connections with others. And I like that. I like that it says continually strive to understand themselves because I think it, it weirdly gives like forces you to give yourself some grace in the sense that you're there are maybe things that you feel strongly about or that you care about or ways that you're going to react and it's not necessarily your job this is I'm not like not for everything but it's in every situation it's yeah. not necessarily your job to have to like change things or conform to yeah, what somebody good. else like is that. saying it's ju- it's okay to just try to understand <laughs> right like why you feel the way that you yeah. do or yeah. react the way that you are so I like that because <laughs> it's, again, you're yeah, not, I'm laughing because, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Why are you laughing at me? Oh, so there's a, there was that, well, there's a, <laughs> see, like you made it about you, Mackie. <laughs> I'm laughing with you. Wait, but maybe you weren't laughing. I wasn't. There was somebody <laughs> earlier today. Okay. And I love, we were talking about this and they're become, they're, their whole goal, their homework every day of the week now is becoming differentiated and noticing that they shut down because their partner says something or they get angry or they this or they that. And they are really starting to realize that that has been, yeah, maybe it, or it's, it's been a bit of a form of control, but the more that they just say, oh, I, you know, I hear you or, mm-hmm. okay, thank you. And they said that their, their partner said, I don't, I don't, like you see, I feel like you're just saying I thank you a lot, and I don't really like that. And I love the concept because this person was saying that they just said because I realized that oh, I can sit with that discomfort, the uncertainty. I don't have to now have a strong opinion. I don't have to tell them they're wrong. I don't even have to defend myself. I can just kind of be, and I can t- take in that data, and it's pretty interesting. So then that helps me realize, hmm, do I really think that, or is that a big deal to me? And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Right. And I was. And I was just saying, oh, you have just, you know, reached the next level. <laughs> you cracked the code. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if somebody's like, well, I think you're doing this, I can say, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, okay. I mean, because I don't have to, if I try to say, well, I think you're wrong now. Oh, now we're in it. Right. Now, now we. Or it doesn't even have to go there. I, and I might, yeah. If I think there might be some truth in that, I might say, that's all right. That's a good point. Tell me, I don't know. Tell me what else you're seeing. Because because ultimately it's up to me on whether or not I think that that's something that I'll take a look at or yeah. take in. And, and I love when sometimes somebody will say, well, what what do you have to say about that? And it's like, well, nothing necessarily. I mean, but I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. And it, it feels very unsatisfying. Yeah. But yeah, but then the yeah. other person that that person is going to feel like, but I need you to either defend yourself or tell me I'm wrong. Because if not, then are, are I don't really done? know what to do it's here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, one more quick, because this is good old ADD. 
when I was being immature about my response to that previous email, I just yeah. want to put this out there that I, I just think it's fascinating that there is a part of me that was really wondering, and this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm speaking my truths and trying to be passionate about the things I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when this person says, I think you're, you know, I think you're wrong and you need to look at this. And uh, it's really interesting to me to kind of think, what is their goal? Because if this is something that I feel passionate about, then do they really think, and this is where I worry sometimes about, I love that you said a minute ago where, yeah, maybe we're, you're not that special because we we sometimes feel like we really need to be special yeah. or we won't matter. And so if this person's saying, I'm going to reach out and tell this person that is literally talking to their adult daughter who, and this person is a therapist and I don't know their experience. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've been doing this for 17 years. They probably maybe have a little bit, but I'm going to let them know. I heard them say this thing and they're wrong. And so, and now I need them to then admit that they're wrong and I need them to do a a podcast episode for me so that then they'll see, oh my gosh, I'm wrong. And, and I just think that, oh man, that's, that's really, that's really difficult. So I wondered even aloud, I think to you that I really want to know, is there a chance that this person was maybe even sent the podcast Mm -hmm. by somebody that said, Hey, I want a relationship. And, and here's this guy. Yeah, he's bald. Um, so what? But, but right, yeah, but but I I really feel like this is something that I I you know maybe the the adult kid maybe that, I don't yeah, know that mattered saying to me, like so could you maybe, maybe take a listen yeah yeah and then they're like he's wrong and I just checked with all these people and they all also agree that he's wrong and I'm now going to reach out to him and he's maybe either not going to respond so then I can say see what does he have to say for himself or maybe he'll do a whole episode and say turns out I'm, I'm wrong. It's got it. Yeah. yeah. It's. Yeah. So it's like, it, again, it really, I'm not even just saying this, like it breaks my heart that, cause that, that person is really, you know, they're spending a lot of emotional calories, I imagine trying yeah. to make sure that they are right yeah. and other people are. Which, yeah. okay. Side, well, not side note, kind of side note. I do. I think it's interesting. So when you read me that email, I, cause I can be mm-hmm. a very sensitive person and I can take things yeah. very personally. Um, and immediately then be like offended and hurt and let it sit with me. But I was very interested to note that like, which, how do I put this? So I think like, I think a couple of years ago, if you had read that to me, it would have hit me so hard. And I would have been like, what did I do wrong? I said something wrong. I made someone yeah. upset. I did all these things. And yeah. it was very, it was kind of a nice little observation to notice that you read that. And I didn't like the The main thing I felt was I felt like, I was just kind of sad for this person and I felt bad that they're dealing with this, you know, trying to navigate something that must be hard, but it was crazy to go, no, because I'm confident in what we were talking about. And I do, I feel passionate about the things that we were talking about. And I do believe the things that we were saying. And so I think that just goes to show how, when you are, which again, I still have so much work to do, but the more you do get to know yourself, like the, I don't know, it's just, it is easier to kind of let those things just kind of, roll off your back and be like, it's okay because I know what I know and I'm confident in what I believe. And I don't know. And so it just doesn't, it was just nice to see, okay, that didn't hit me the way that I thought it would. And I think that that really is like heavily to do with the work I've done to get to know myself. It is Mac. And I'm super, I'm super grateful that you expressed that because that is the part where someone else, bless their heart, doesn't know what they don't know. And so then it can't be that they could have been doing a lot of extra or additional work yeah. because, and that's where I just wish people could just accept the fact that, yeah, maybe I could be doing 
more work and then what would that look like and then they may and then and then i feel like that is sometimes where people want they they do go to a therapist or somebody and they want help but then are they really looking for help or are they looking for validation right and i think that it's is very different is, things like it's it's very different yeah. okay can i can i like i feel like this one's i really like this episode and i like talking about this stuff so yeah. much but can i read the the healthy ego versus the the opposite of that because i think this is so important yeah. I think it really is. So normal, healthy ego is a realistic sense of positive self-regard that's based on the person's actual accomplishments. And it's relatively stable because the person has assimilated into their self-image the successes that came as a result of their actual hard work to overcome real-life obstacles. So it's exactly what we're talking about. So because it's based on real achievements, normal, healthy ego is relatively impervious to the minor slights and setbacks that we all experience as we go through life. Normal ego, healthy ego causes us to care about ourselves, do things that are in our, our real self-interest and are associated with genuine self-respect. One can think about as think of it as something that's inside of us. So I think we're really talking about, you know, this healthy ego because it's based off of the self-reflection and, and self-work that we're doing. And so the opposite of that, and it has a bad word, <laughs> pathological defensive narcissism. So I'll just call it our even emotional immaturity. And it says, this is a defense against feelings of inferiority. Right out of the gate. There we go, wow, right? Yeah. The person, the person dons a mask of arrogant superiority in an attempt to convince the world that he or she is special. But inside, the person feels very insecure about their actual self-worth. And this facade of superiority is so thin that it's like a helium balloon. And then one small pinprick or one podcast episode, quote, can deflate it. And then this person that makes the person uh, hypersensitive to minor slights that somebody with healthy ego wouldn't even notice. So instead, somebody with this type of defensive emotional immaturity or defensive narcissism is easily wounded. They frequently take any form of disagreement as serious criticism, and then they're likely to lash out and devalue anybody who they think is disagreeing with them. So they're constantly on guard trying to protect their status or their ego. So this can be thought as a protective armor that's on the outside. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah I'm like, it kind of defends, <laughs> defeats, defines. It, it defines like somebody that is unwilling to self-reflect, look inward, that they are, you know, they take offense to things and then defend their ego and take anything as a slight or a criticism. And right. that is what we're talking right. about. Again, it can't, you can't just have a conversation with curiosity because it is just it goes straight yeah. to the criticism and the you're this is wrong and the yeah that's crazy i feel like i need i need mm-hmm. to just 10 minutes of silence while i process that please i mean <laughs> well there are a couple of things that i i almost do i feel like just because of my job that i talk about almost on a daily basis and it's interesting because i feel so c- confident about those concepts yeah and then some, sometimes people will take offense to even me using those those concepts mm-hmm. and i feel like without you know, being curious about what they really mean, which is really interesting because then it's, it's like meta, I think as the kids say. So then it's, I have to sit in my healthy ego to, but then not defend my ego when somebody's attacking the concept of healthy ego. Wow. I know. Potentially gets a little tricky. (laughs) 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 Like you lost me there Um, for a second. (laughs) Hey, can I ask you, like, in your profession, do you have people that then come in and they do, I don't know, tell you what you don't know about your own career or profession or that sort of thing? Or I feel like you probably have a pretty healthy ego when it comes to the work you do. 
I, yeah, I think I, I think I definitely do now. I, I, and maybe mentioned this before, but more so when I was in, or, okay. Cause I think, I think now that I'm like in a suite and I'm doing my own thing, mm-hmm. people are like finding me through social media and then choosing to come to me. And there's usually, you know, like they're, yeah, so I think there's a little saying. bit less of that, but in hair school all the time. And I think I, again, I think I've mentioned this, but I specifically with adult men and I would uh, be cutting their hair yeah. and they would, as I'm cutting their hair, they would do the whole like, well, you have a backup, right? Like you can't just do this. Like you can't, oh. you know, and they'd give me this oh. whole speech of like, you're never going to be successful. You're never going to make enough money. You're never going to be able to provide for like anyone or family or anything. And they would give me this whole spiel while I'm cutting their hair, while I'm doing this service that they came in and are paying for. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, that That was definitely a thing. And I think it was a little bit harder at the beginning of hair school because I was still learning and I wasn't super confident with what I was doing. But I think as I got further into it, it got to a point where it was just silly. And I was just like, I was like, no, I'm going to be just fine. Like I'm going to make this work and I'm going to be successful and be just fine. And so, yeah, it was, then I would just kind of have to sit back and be like, you're right. I must be so dumb to be here cutting your hair. (laughs) You got me. Yeah. But I like that because then it give you you are getting to know you know yourself you know you are good at what you yeah. do and and I love that because I can remember as a new therapist and people would say things like I don't know if I, I don't even know if I really believe that in therapy or whatever and I used to feel like well here's my job to defend the profession and myself right. but then now I realize oh that person's not they can think they whatever they want not, it's okay yeah they're, and they're not curious about yeah. it now somebody can come up to me and say hey tell me like tell me about what do you what's the latest or what do you you know, yeah. What do you work on or what do you specialize in? And then what's that like? Then, oh, that person okay, is really Okay, let's talk. Curious. Yeah, let's have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I feel like then maybe as our last little thing, I want to yes. ask you, Mr. Therapist. So if you have – don't look so scared. It's okay. okay. If <laughs> So if you had somebody come to you and they said, I am realizing that I don't know myself at all and I feel like – I know nothing about myself. Please help. <laughs> like, tell me what to do. What would you say or what would you do? That's a, I love this. And I would love to know your answer, your thoughts okay. on that too. So I love, and I talk about it often, acceptance and commitment therapy. And so one of the, one of the first things to do is, I mean, I already want to tell the person, like, do you ever feel like you, something's wrong with you or you're broken or I hate this about myself. And I know we've talked about this a little bit and then I need people to start recognizing. And sometimes I do the, they've called the psychoeducational work. So it's the, you know, the, that the brains don't get killed device. And we think we have to beat ourselves up to get better. And so I want to help people start from the, um, you're the only version of you with your, all the stuff, right? Nature, nurture, mm-hmm. birth order, DNA abandonment, rejection. So you think and feel and act the way you do because you do. And so then that gives you more curiosity about yourself, which is interesting because that is what we're talking about tonight. And so then it's like, oh, check this out because this is the first time I've ever been me in this situation and I did this thing. So that's interesting. So I wonder why I did that. And you start to, okay, I'm having a moment, Mac. That's a great <laughs> question. Because in, in ACT, you have a concept called self and self as context. So you're able to step back and say, oh, look at what I did in that situation. And then I can look at it with curiosity. Or even when I'm having all, I'm all up in my feelings, you're supposed to go, oh man, oh, I'm feeling a little something. It's in my, it's in my stomach. It feels a little bit hot, a little bit big, you know? Okay. What's that looking like? You know, where's that coming from? When have I felt that before? Ooh, when I was a kid, when Jimmy Faulkner and I got in a kick fight you know, on the <laughs> playground 
And when I realized that this guy is strong, oh, and I realized I might be in trouble. And uh, yeah, that's right. Now I realize, oh, okay, in this moment now, I, I realize, well, I might be in trouble. That's fascinating. Look at what my body's doing. Go body. Like that's something. So then, right. And so then just starting to recognize that, oh, I I am okay. I'm nothing wrong with me. I'm just kind of doing this life for the first time. So I'm check this out. And so then I feel like then you start getting into the, uh, what are your values? And that's a fascinating exercise. One of these things, okay, we should do a live, what are your values thing? Maybe sometime and you can lay down on a couch (laughs) because, because that's where I feel like people start doing that. I mean, I know I should care about this or I, you know, this is probably, and that's where I say, it says who, because you're, you decide what you care about. Yeah. You really do. And so then when you are doing things because you think you're supposed to, or this is what I'm supposed to, it's a socially compliant goal. And then your motivation is weak and ineffective because it goes against your own process of becoming or unfolding or being. And so then once you recognize, oh, we do a lot of things that we think we're supposed to. And I don't really feel like I can be my best self when I'm doing things that I'm not really even invested in. Because I'm then I'm definitely looking to other people saying, did, did I do it? Like, is this okay? Right. Was or, that what I was supposed to do? And then, that, yeah. Like, yeah. Did meet your expectations? Yeah. So, so it's just a whole thing about, but I love with somebody, I have a couple of people that I see that I love the session so much where they say, okay, what do I not know that I don't know? And that's a fun one. And, and then I am also a big fan. And I know that you and I talk about this often. If let's say that you ask for a question about something and if I'm like, okay, and what are the yeah buts? You know, that's where, okay, why am I needing to yeah, but this, or why am I wanting to defend this or tell the person they're wrong? Or because I really look at like all of these things are going to be for my good and they're a me issue. Then I can start to go that, look at that. I want to defend that. Tell you you were dumb (laughs) because uh, you said something that uh, I don't really know anything about it, but it can't be right. I mean, I'm reading this book about it's like, what if determined is what it's called. And it's fascinating, but it's kind of one of these that's saying, maybe we're just kind of reacting to the thing that happened a millisecond before that before that so what if maybe we don't have as much control as we think we do so we have to kind of have some acceptance of that happen and now what do we do which i love that concept because it it really says we spend way too much time ruminating worrying that sort of thing Um, but then it's funny because even as i'm reading it i'm just sitting there going okay this is dumb like what no what does this guy know Mm -hmm. this neurologist for 40 years who's written a bunch of books who's spent his whole life studying this and because i've read a few pages and i have a master's degree from university of phoenix and so then i probably know way more than he oh, does for sure <laughs> hey, but when you ask the question though and sorry i went on and no, on I there but what, what your thoughts are like if you what's your process of becoming and unfolding and self-confronting and what's that like for you how do you do yeah, it i feel like i do not have an answer that's as deep as everything you just said or as knowledgeable in any way but this has been something i've been trying to prioritize like I feel like really specifically over the last year and a half or so. And I feel like this is everything in life, but I feel like it goes back to really simple little things, but almost doing them a little bit more intentionally. So I feel like for me, the way I kind of started to figure it out was one, like just this is silly, but limiting distractions. Like I would go on walks and instead of listening to music, I would just walk and I would just be in my brain, which is, can be terrifying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. To just be there and not make judgments and not question what I'm thinking or try to distract from what I'm thinking, but also at the same time, not letting myself just sit there and ruminate where it's more just allowing yeah. the curious thoughts and allowing like the observations. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think another thing is just practicing it, which sounds silly, but in the sense that like we've talked about this, I'm a really picky eater. I eat like a child. Mm. 
And I've, for my whole life, I've tried to not let people know that. So they ask me a question. I wouldn't tell them that my favorite food is actually just mac and cheese. And I wouldn't tell them that I don't like a lot of foods or anything, you know, because yeah. I was like, they're going to make judgments. They're going to think less of me or whatever. Right. And so practicing that and almost like easing it in where if somebody did ask me, kind of testing the waters and being like, and just, you know, having that moment of courage oh, to just sure. say, mac and cheese, go ahead, say what, you know, make the jokes, say what you need to say, yeah. but that's, that's Bring it on. Here we and go. so I feel like that's yeah. huge. like just practicing it and just actually saying the things that you know are true to yourself and not, I don't know. I feel like that just over time now it's like, oh, I don't care. I'll tell anyone. I'll tell totally. anyone that I eat like a child and I'm fine with it and whatever. So I feel like that <laughs> just practicing being kind of uncomfortable with that is huge. And then yeah, sitting with the thoughts, not in a ruminating sense, but in a, it's okay to have thoughts and it's okay to have feelings and yeah. it's good. And then I think with that, trying to not shove everything down. So almost again, just with the distractions, but when, like you're saying, where you do kind of notice where you're feeling it in your body and notice what you're feeling. And then whether that meant like writing down some, a quick note in my phone of like, okay, I'm feeling like this right now and I don't like yeah. it or I don't know why. Yeah. or And just kind of putting the thoughts out there instead of just shoving it away. I don't know. I feel like that's been a big thing. And another thing, these, these are all just coming to me, but so good. I think just trying new things is big where I'm trying to think of an example, but like, I like, well, I mean, I was going to praise you for, I feel like you, what I know of you is you're just doing, you're doing things I, yeah. a lot. Like even just little things. Like I started reading. I didn't, I never yeah. read my whole life. I skimmed through every book in high school. I did the least amount possible. And I started reading and I discovered like, oh, I like this. And here's the specific types of books I like. And here's this, you know, and then I decided I kind of wanted to do Legos that one time. So I bought a Lego set yeah. and I did it. And I was like, that's really fun. And I really like playing Call of Duty and I'm letting myself do it. Know, right? <laughs> like, like, You're good just, at it too, man. I'm really good at it. But it's like <laughs> these little, I think it's like you try these things and you figure out what you like and what you don't like, which sounds so simple and like dumb. So but it true. makes a difference. And I think just trying the different things, it's like all the little things that you're doing to get to know yourself add up. And it's almost like we talked about that, the tapestry thing that one time, yeah. you know, and I feel like it is just yep, you're yep. in that same sense, you're adding things to your life's tapestry. And yes. in doing that, you're just getting one step closer to knowing who you are every single time. And then I've also, yeah. we've talked about this before too, but just I think every second spent in your brain is time getting to know yourself, which again, sounds like duh, obviously, but it's, I think it's really true. And so I think just allowing yourself to spend time with yourself. Yeah. And not in that. a beat yourself no, up way. Not though. in a ruminate, not in it, just a, I'm okay. And this is neutral and I can, and I'm, I can hang out with myself and this is good. And I just think that all factors into it. So all little tiny things but I think they're I what kickstart it and then get you more comfortable with leaning into the deeper things and allowing yourself to explore what you think or feel on a deeper level. Yeah. If that answered your so question. I, it's such a, it was such a good answer because I was going to say, I feel like you have uh, even we've talked about on the podcast, but the be afraid and do it anyway, or invite the discomfort to come along yeah. or, and it doesn't mean that everything's going to, that was amazing. But it, now I know that I can do this or I like this or I don't like this versus the, 
I'm afraid to do this or I worry this won't work or what if it doesn't, what if it isn't very good or what if, what if, what if. Right. And then the only way to find out is kind of to do. So maybe be afraid and do it anyway. And then, yeah, you just get yeah. to, then you just get to note it as either that was great or that wasn't and then move on, on to the next yep. thing. Yeah. Mackie, this was fun tonight. This was fun. That was, we talked a lot. I'm like, I feel like we could even do a whole other episode on this and still have so many other things to talk about. But and maybe I'll say that because I appreciate the person that did write in, yeah. and we've had a couple. And it's funny because I always remember when I started my pod, like the virtual couch one, I used to say things like, "Hey, thanks for all the letters or whatever." Yeah. Not that people wrote letters, but the emails. <laughs> and at first, there really wasn't any, and you know, I get more than I can read, yeah. and so you know, healthy ego because it, it is, and I'm grateful for it. But it really, I really hope that if people find this, that they will write to us examples of things that they have done that they now recognize, oh, that is my healthy ego. Because yeah. I do love when my clients will say, okay, I feel like uh, I think I can claim healthy ego and say that I kind of do like to do this yeah. thing, or I, I am pretty good at this. And, but in, in our default setting, it's like, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or right. whatever. And then you're not, you're just expressing something that you enjoy or are good at. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing, period. Have I read, okay, now, have I read the Marianne Williamson poem already like 500 times on the 13 episodes that we've done? called our deepest fear. I don't know. Start, start it. I know, right? It's been a while since this is my, I mean, I, this is one that I I used to read every day because I wanted to memorize it. And then I realized, oh, I am not good at memorizing things. (laughs) And then I accepted that. And then I really like it still. So Marianne Williamson, she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And we could, what, maybe one time we should break this whole thing down because yeah. that first part I used to skip over and we could even go deeper. But this, it says, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Um, and so I first like that, like, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous? And it's almost like we, we say we need permission to be so that way, because that's where we look for validation. So uh, right now, Mac and I are giving everyone permission. It is you, who are you to not be? And then she says, you are a child of God. You're, this is the best part. Not, no, there's lots <laughs> of good parts, but she says, your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. That alone, I've, And that's where that healthy ego comes in because if I am putting myself out there and here are some things that I think can help others and and this is, and then, but somebody else is telling me, Ooh, I think that sounds kind of cocky. And then I find that I'm not going to put myself out there because I don't want somebody else to feel insecure around me. Then, I mean, that just, that breaks my heart again. And this is where, when I started talking about healthy ego, I always say, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King all had healthy ego. And, and that's, those are people changing right, the world. Like, look what they all and did. So then, yeah. yeah. And she, so she says, we are all meant to shine as children do. We we're born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others like that. I'm it's like going to cry so, a little bit. <laughs> I do. This is the first time I haven't cried reading the poem. Because it's like that. And when other people are telling somebody else how they're supposed to feel, think, or do, that they are not letting that person's light so shine because it makes them feel insecure. And that's a them issue. Right. I mean, that's you know, if because it, it's like that's that deep insecurity that if somebody else is living their 
best life or on their way toward a better life or starting to put themselves out there and be vulnerable, they really are opening themselves up to criticism from those that are more emotionally immature and those who are, it's almost like this subconscious thing where, well, no, that person can't be that happy or they can't feel that way or they can't have that connection with a loved one or they can't be that connected or they can't because that means I could have done that too. So that person's telling me that I'm wrong if they think that they're right. And so I need to put them in their place or else that means I could have done it. Like, that's crazy, right? I'm like, for I'm having a moment. <laughs> okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't rob the world of yourself and what you have to offer because of other people that have not done the work themselves or have not gone to know themselves. No, you're suppressing others and being their best self. Right. And that's so silly. And it's sad and it's like, and there's one of two things where then somebody either says, okay, fine, leave, go ahead, you know, go, or that's where that person needs to, I feel like they need to say, okay, I want that too. I want the relationship with my adult kids. I want the relationship with my spouse. I want uh, to be close. I want intimacy. I want love. I want joy. I want, and so then put in the work, figure out how that works for you. Don't just shove everything. Yeah. Don't ruin it for everyone else. Because if it's at a certain point, we get pretty ingrained and this is what it feels like to be us. And then I worry that there's some magical threshold that is crossed where then somebody just spends all of their time just going into this place of, no, this is, I couldn't have done anything. This is my lot in life. Uh, People don't understand. It, It wasn't my fault. And then now they just go into this echo chamber and then they become that crabby old man or woman saying, hey, kids, get off my lawn. Right. You know, where it didn't have to go that way. It didn't like, it didn't have to be that. No. Which. Okay. I will be quiet. Now now you have me thinking of all other things. Okay. This maybe, this maybe doesn't really have to do with what you were just saying, but kind of, but I read this also when I was, when I came across the other quote and it just, it's like a thread on some social media, something. And it just says, do you guys realize we can change our lives anytime we want? Like you can just go ahead and delete your blog, stop eating meat, shave your head, start running, tell that person you hate, why you hate them so much, confess your love to someone and kiss them unexpectedly. Like, why don't we do that? And that's like the whole thing. But I just think so it's good. such a, it's such a, cause it's like you have the power to make the changes and do yeah. the things, whether it's on a simple stop eating meat or start running or getting to know yourself and making those big, deep changes and putting in the work and just know that other, and know that other people around you are not going to jump up and down and say way to go. Cause most likely they're, you're disrupting the relationship dynamic or the family system. Mm -hmm. And that is one of those difficult things where you sure wish that people go, man, good for you. But, but if you're in that situation, a lot of times people are going to say like, Whoa, well look at Mrs. Fancy pants there. Some stupid little comment. Yeah. 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 But if you're getting to know yourself and you're doing the work anyways, you'll eventually get to a point where those comments will just roll right off your back and you'll be just fine because you'll know yourself well enough, love yourself enough and be confident enough in yourself that it won't matter what other people have to say about it. Amen. That's a them issue. Yes, sir. Bless their heart. Sing getting to know you as we leave. Do you know that song? You have to sing it. Yeah. Getting to know you. (laughs) Getting to the, I don't know all about you. This is why, this is where, okay, okay, last thing. I still remember this one time that I went, one of the earliest trainings I ever went to as a therapist, and I was working at this nonprofit, and this guy came in. He's like, How many of you tell your clients you can be anything you set your mind to? 
And everybody's like, me, you know? And then he just said something like, let's say you're some five foot, I don't know, 70 year old man who's 300 and something pounds. And he comes in and says, I, I think I want to play in the NBA. I want to be a professional basketball player. And then he's like, what do you say? And then there were people there like, well, who are you to stand in the way of him? And then this guy was like, well, you, you can, t- you know, that's, there are some things that maybe you need to help your client have some acceptance of. And I remember thinking that's so smart. And then I went through a period where I thought, wait, that's a you issue therapist. I mean, what if that is? And I still feel like I would want to say, tell me more about this dream you have. But that's a long winded way that now I think you probably should edit out saying I could never be a singer. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Cause I was like, I've tried. I, oh, I have tried. Mackie. Me too. You've done well though. Mm-hmm. That's and the, uh, boy. Okay. There's a funny thing, and I, you see, you're going to shake it off, and uh, which is a Taylor Swift song. But you're going. You learned how to sing. You learned how to draw. You learned how to play the piano. I mean, those are all things that you just said. I think I'll do those. And I encourage others to do the same because it's really fun, and you get to know yourself better and find fun things to do. Except mm-hmm. I did all the things okay, except so. for the singing one. I don't do that. Yes, you do. Uh, you sang never in my whole life. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gaslighting 101. Thank you. Gaslighting. <laughs> Okay. Good grief. We need to shut up. My goodness. I know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing it just to be funny now. See how long we can go. 24 yeah. hour episode. It's like the emotionally immature, <laughs> narcissistic person where I'm like, one more thing, Mackie. I'm like, okay, it's really about, time uh, to go. I'm going to, I'm going to. Oh, okay. Classic. Okay. Thanks for talking to me and feeling some feelings. Let's I know go. that was fun. Go do all the stuff. Go do all the stuff and we'll. Hey, what's the, what's the saying on our t-shirt? We don't have a t-shirt. I, I, I love your face. I like your face. I like your face. Okay. All right. <laughs> love you, Mac. Love you. Bye. Bye.